When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Sam Greenspan is not the kind of person who looks back on their undergrad days and gets wistful. Sam's never been to a college reunion or an alumni mixer. But back in the spring, they sat down to write a letter to their college newspaper. Yeah, uh, let me find it. The newspaper? It's called The Catalyst. Dear Catalyst team, I'm a reporter and radio slash podcast producer who's an alum of New College and who also happens to be queer and trans. The Catalyst is the student paper for the New College of Florida. I was never Catalyst staff, but if you dig through the archives, and I hope you won't, you'll find some very questionable opinion pieces I submitted over the years. Sam was partially sending a letter of support. They'd been watching, slack-jawed, as Florida's governor, Ron DeSantis, executed a remarkably swift takeover of this tiny liberal arts school, replacing college leadership, even changing the kinds of students that got admitted. But deep in this carefully worded note was a request to return to campus and get an up-close look at how the Catalyst has been reporting on the governor's changes. Sam signs off with a written equivalent of a raised fist of solidarity. As someone who was very unaware that I was queer and trans, but all too aware that I was a weirdo who didn't fit in, New College became my haven. If its spirit of individuality and freedom of thought wasn't such a threat to fascism, DeSantis wouldn't be trying so hard to crush it. How quickly did you hear back? Um, let me see. So I sent that on April 10th, and then I heard back from her on April 13th. And so I think maybe like two or three weeks later, I was on a plane um, back to Sarasota where I hadn't been in 12, 13 years, I think. Sam arrived to find a small but dedicated newsroom of people working to cover what's become a national story, the sudden and complete upending of every piece of New College's culture. That culture is quirky. Maybe you'd expect that on a campus where the college hall is actually a mansion built for one of the Ringling brothers. When Sam was an undergrad, the most controversial piece they submitted to the paper came after a student government election resulted in an actual student losing to a prank write-in candidate, Mr. T. So I wrote an op-ed arguing that we should give Mr. T honorary student status so that he could hold office at the campus. <laughs> I believe that's what I was writing about. Fast forward to today, the student paper is covering stories like the college president being fired, the gender studies program getting dissolved, the diversity, equity, and inclusion office shutting down entirely. 
For Governor DeSantis and his allies, what's happening here is a prototype for how education can be remade everywhere. And the kids at the college paper, they know it. You know, I think there was a lot of gallows humor. There was a lot of sort of, you know, laughing us to not cry. But it was also just sort of like, it makes sense to me that someone who would come to new college is used to the world being kind of awful to them um, in large or small ways. And so in a way, um, maybe it wasn't totally shocking because it's like, oh, yeah, of course they wouldn't let a bunch of queer kids like have their own no rules college, <laughs> you know, and, and on, on Florida on Florida taxpayer dollar. Like, of course, they're going to try to gut this. Today on the show, an inside look at what going back to school in Florida's new prototype liberal arts college is really like. I'm Mary Harris. You're listening to What Next. Stick around. This episode is brought to you by Discover. When it comes to your finances, Discover wants you to know they are the credit card that is always there for you. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, that means no more waiting for, quote, normal business hours just to get a hold of someone. We are talking real service from real people whenever you need it. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Let's start by talking about what New College is all about, or what it has been about, before this year. It's a tiny school with just under a 1,000 students. It was founded in 1960 as an experimental private college, but in 1975, it became part of the Florida state system. It kept its unique character, though. For Floridians, it promised the vibe of a small, quirky liberal arts school, but with an in-state price tag. It's it's a very DIY place where people, you know, for lack of a better word, like, you know, the weirdos from high school would go and find each other and just had this kind of incredible space to just build whatever uh, you wanted to in terms of the campus culture, in terms of your education. Um, it was really only limited by your imagination. And it has like no grades, right? Yeah. Uh, that's right. So new college is unique in a lot of ways. There's no grades uh, in every student gets um, a written evaluation for every class. There's no credits. Um, every student has a contract with an academic advisor. And there's no real required classes like disciplines will have their own requirements, but there's no like core classes or, or anything like that. And it's also really, really small. I mean, it's, you know, so when I, I studied anthropology there, there were three faculty members, <laughs> you know, in, in my division. And it's always been a little bit turbulent, right? Like in 2020, there was a push to combine New College with the larger University of Florida. Like it seems like for a little while now, Florida has been trying to solve the problem of New College, if you want to put it that way. Although I'm sure the people on campus would not call it a problem. But you know what I mean? Like there, were, there was some sense of that. I think that's right. I, I think New College stands out when you when you just look at the numbers of New College in terms of how much is a, is a, is the college spending per student. It's super high compared with other with other schools because you know there's just fewer students and just you know the way that math works, I guess, makes it look like a huge aberration. And and New College, you know, it has had a bit of a of a. I don't know if it's turbulent exactly, but it, it, it's had it's had a history of in a lot of flux. So I, I know that what 
really helped the school for a long time was that um, a Florida lawmaker named Bob Johnson was uh, an early an, an early and uh, ardent supporter of the school, and he was um, he was a Republican state lawmaker who had you know enough clout to kind of protect the school for a long time. He just really believed in it. I was talking to a, a, an alum who was there in my year, and he was ta- telling me that he he was recalling a time when they were when he was watching the I think it was the Bush Kerry debates with a campus administrator, and and the administrator said, you know, it's a good thing that we have Bob Johnson looking out for us because all it would really take would be for you know congress or the governor to decide there's like too many gay people at that weird florida school and just kill it and um he said that conversation happened around like 2003 2004 i guess wow seems prescient now yeah he, this the student told me that it gave him a lot of perspective on how fragile the place was and even at the kind of highest levels of the school government um did school administration rather like knew that they were you know a little bit precarious this feeling of precariousness came to a head back at the beginning of the year, when Florida Governor Ron DeSantis set his sights on overhauling New College. And so the mission has been, I think, more into the DEI, CRT, the gender ideology, rather than what a liberal arts education should be. And so we're going to be able, I think, to to, to offer... uh, He appointed six new members of the Board of Trustees, essentially giving the board a conservative majority. The new members included a dean of a conservative Christian college, Hillsdale, and also Christopher Rufo, the Manhattan Institute fellow who is credited with launching a panic over critical race theory in schools. But even Sam didn't realize how serious the change was going to be until the new trustees met for a board meeting at the end of January. I think everybody can hear me if I speak up. And so I'm calling the meeting to order and we'll have roll call. I was starting to write a thing for for them, the Connie Nast um, LGBT magazine, about the changes. And my first draft was like pretty jokey, I think, and pretty like, oh, you know, they're deciding to, you know, pick on the little guys at New College. But it's always kind of a little bit of a shit show over there anyways. But when I watched it, I was like, holy cow, this is... This is for real. Like, this is for Trustee real, Kessler. real. Here. Trustee Lipinski. Here. Trustee Mackey. And what did they do in the meeting? They they walk in. They sit around the dais. And, you know, in a lot of ways, it looks it looks pretty normal. Um, there are just people, you know, in suits and business attire just sitting around a table on a, you know, on a grainy live feed. So, basically, they just start grandstanding about the school and what they want to do with it and how the school is failing and how they need how it's a good thing that they're there to rescue it. This college is uh, languishing. Uh, It needs to be revived. It's got a great potential future. It can be much larger, much more influential, much more uh, uh, flourishing uh, in the Florida system. Is the school Uh, failing by some metric? The metrics that they were using was like, I think students who graduate in four years or five years or six years, which I think are maybe lower than the average at, um, you know, the rest of the Florida university system. So the new trustees were able to find some metric by which they were able to argue that new college was failing and good thing that they were there to um, rescue it. But like, you know, I would say students and alums and certainly faculty saw through it like immediately. It looked like a hostile takeover. Uh, so I think, and I think the, the terms of this agreement uh, clearly signal recognition on all parties' uh, parts that 
current leadership is not appropriate for the, the, the situation in which we find ourselves. Agreed. You know, they they um, they spent like 45 minutes examining the terms of the school president's employment contract like there on the dais. She's sitting right there. So I'd like to make a motion that we um, terminate President Oker based on the terms reflected in the. Um, and they're just like reading, you know, having the school lawyer like read them and interpret the subclauses around termination so they can figure out how to do it, you know, legally. <laughs> and then they just fire her. Trustee Bauerlein? Yes. Trustee Jinx? Yes. Trustee Carp? Yes. Trustee Keenan? And then they fired the legal counsel, <laughs> you know, one guy was, was there giving them the legal, you know, in the, in the first place. Wow. So at the end of this meeting, the president's out <laughs> and it's and it's very clear the college is headed in a different direction. Yeah, yeah, it was sort of it was it was kind of the first shot. And then uh, I think two months after the that initial um, firing, they the initial meeting, they installed Richard Corcoran, who's the former Speaker of the House for the Florida State House. He also used used to lead the Department of Education in Florida for the state, right? He did that. That is correct. He also, I believe, has a number of uh, corruption allegations against him as well. Well, he's also been very outspoken about how he sees education. Like he's spoken very publicly about the fact that he sees education as a sword, a way, a weapon, essentially. And clearly he sees who is learning what and how as an existential crisis. I hadn't heard that exactly, but it makes a ton of sense from what I know about him. I mean, this is the guy who told his, you know, admission staff that they were his SEAL Team 6 in, you know, recruiting the next wave of of student athletes, right? That new wave of student athletes was just one of many changes that followed the board meeting back in January. But it's worth lingering on this change because before this year, New College didn't even have a baseball field. Now, nearly half of the school's incoming class is made up of student athletes. The trustees made other changes, both big and small. They denied tenure to five faculty members. They eliminated the gender studies major for future classes. And they axed the school's Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion office. The students at the college paper, who Sam was following, noticed other changes, too, like a change to the school mascot and a new on-campus cafe whose paper cups had Bible verses on them. Tell me how the year ended last year. Like, I know you were you were reporting during graduation, right? Yeah. So basically, these these two students, uh, graduating students, had this idea that they wanted there to be an off-campus graduation as like a protest graduation, as like this is the you know the true, the true graduation because the other one is just going to be a farce. Yeah. Why was that important to them? The official graduation. What was upsetting about it? Yeah. So um, the school announced that its speaker was going to be um, Scott Atlas, who you know is a, a radiologist who advised. Trump on COVID policy. And remember, these are students that lived through COVID. One of the organizers, Maddie Markham, I mean, she lost both her grandparents to COVID. Um, and so it just felt it felt like the ultimate slap in the face, I think, to these students. At this point, they just want to get their diplomas and leave. And it's like, and and the school administration is like politicizing this thing that's like supposed to be, you know, a celebration of them. So basically, this like ragtag group of graduating students and a couple alums put together a GoFundMe and they raised $132,000 in like under a month. And they booked an art museum, you know, about a few miles from, from campus. And every graduating student and their family was able to go. 
What was the feeling? Because I feel like it could be celebratory or it could be a little solemn. Oh, my God. It was it was joyous. It was joyous. We, as a community, are not capable of the cruelty they are inflicting thanks to the love that we share with each other. Was it joyous partially because these students, most of them were leaving? I think I think so. I mean, I think for the students, at least, it felt like an end cap, a moment in time for them to like remember, like, you know what? We we did this. And we are the class that had so much adversity to, to just get our education. We came to New College for a reason, and, um, and we love this place, and we just want to celebrate it. After the break, new year, new college. Can this place withstand such a massive cultural shift? This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. So you kind of left off with graduation. But now... It's September. Classes have just started back up at New College. What is your sense of how the year's going so far? My understanding is that in the last few months, a lot of students have transferred out and a lot of faculty have left, like a stunning amount. Can you just characterize the change that's happened? I mean, I don't know if I can swear here, but the best way to describe this would be a shit show, I think. Huh. I mean, it looks like absolute chaos on the campus. Uh, so 40, I think around 40 faculty members of, from New College out of like 90. <laughs> so it's like 40 of 90 are not there. Whoa. Uh, you know, some some left, some took leave. So there's a lot of reports of classes just getting canceled. Um, the school administration is ardent that that's not happening, but, um, there's plenty of evidence that it is, um, students are being told like, Hey, your biology class is canceled. Uh, try taking something else. The dorms that have historically been given to upperclassmen, these kind of apartment style dorms with their own kitchen. Um, those were just taken away from all the returning students and given to these incoming, um, athletes. And, you know, not that they shouldn't have good housing facilities, but it's just, it seems very much like a, you know, a supremacy move of just giving, you know, like they're just being, students are being told this is not for you anymore. Where were they placed instead? They're put in two different hotels, one, one close-ish to the college, one about four miles away. And I think they're like not allowed to have guests, they're not allowed to cook. It's very confusing and very authoritarian, it seems. There's like a shuttle bus that runs like once an hour, maybe or something, but like, you know, a lot of students don't have cars. Um, and it's, you know, it's, it's not a place with functional public transit. And I just saw yesterday, I think it's around a third of the returning new college students are, are not coming back. It's almost comical 
It's like a like a Revenge of the Nerds subplot kind of thing. <laughs> it's like Revenge of the Revenge of the Nerds or something. It's like, you know, yeah, it's Revenge of the Jocks, I guess. I mean, and again, I, I don't want to disparage the students uh, who are coming in to play sports because I think I think all the students are kind of bound up in this together. It's just any appearance that, you know, the administration was putting up of like, as Richard Corcoran said, like, we're not subtracting, we're adding here, to paraphrase him. Any any appearance of that is just gone now, that they're just they're basically just kicking these students to the curb. The students are one thing, but with the faculty that have been leaving, the impression I get from the administration is they're saying basically, okay, great, we're cleaning house. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it's a takeover. It's it's there, you know, it's you have this external group that is coming in and tra- and and ripping the resources away for the people that they think are more important. I mean, that's that's what supremacy is. Uh, so one of the students that I that I spoke with for my story, Basil Persley, um, who was a copy editor at The Catalyst, he's just brilliant kid, had wanted to go to new college since he was like, you know, basically like 12 or so, and was just was just really flourishing there. Um, and was just sort of like, okay, well, there's, you know, basically there's some changes, some jocks are going to come, maybe a professor or two will leave, but like, it's going to be a little chaotic. Um, but you know, new college is a place that Basil wanted to go since he was like 12. (laughs) So he wasn't like about to just up and leave. I mean, his, his plan had been to just rush through, um, and graduate early, but, uh, but his um, first, his partner's uh, faculty advisor left, then his faculty advisor left, and then he found out that he wasn't even going to have his dorm, and he was going to be either stuck in some um, hotel or some other part of campus that he didn't want to live in. And so he joined the ranks of a pretty big number of students, I think around 40 at this point, um, who have basically been airlifted to Hampshire College in Western Massachusetts. Because Hampshire basically said, you can pay your same tuition that you've been paying to New College here. Yeah, which is incredible. I mean, it's not totally out of the blue. New College and Hampshire have had a kind of reciprocity agreement for a long time. And they're sort of in a consortium of like, innovative, you know, experimental colleges, something like that. So there, there's like 40 students, uh, around 40 students who are starting at Hampshire. And that I think is going to be really interesting to see how how they do. Um, and, you know, base, it's, it's sort of like the new college community in exile. And there are, you know, and Basil told me that him, his partner and two other new college students, one of them a catalyst person as well, are all getting like a, a little dorm together um, at the Hampshire campus. Just in the last week or so, I noticed that Christopher Rufo one of these new trustees who was appointed by Ron DeSantis, he penned an editorial where he pushed back against the concern voiced by students at New College and and journalists, too. And I want to just talk about the points he made. He made one point that resonated with me, which is that when you read reporting about what's happening at New College, the same people come up again and again. It's the same voices who are saying that what's happening is unfair and wrong. And and I just wonder, is it fair to say that it's a small number of people in the college community who are resisting the changes that the governor wants to make here? I I haven't I haven't read it, but but the short answer is no. I didn't talk to a single person at New College who wasn't at least a little concerned. You know, these students who are coming forward are very brave and like a lot of them are concerned for their safety. Yeah, I mean Christopher Rufo made this other argument that I think is harder to swallow. He asks you know, why are liberals so worried about a little college in Florida? And and I say it's harder to swallow because he follows that up by saying new college is a prototype. And 
the project to reclaim authority has begun. And I feel like you can't say those two things at the same time. That like, pay no attention to the little college in Florida, but then also we're here to reclaim our authority. Yeah, he said the quiet part out loud. I mean, he, um, yeah, I mean, he says it himself that like new college is the prototype. You said in the past that you weren't particularly attached to new college as an alum. And I guess I wonder if that's changed at all now. Do you feel more attached or less? I do feel attached to new college in a way that I didn't before. You know, I I hadn't kept in touch with a ton of friends from the era. You know, it's a very small place and, and a lot of small town politics can apply. And, you know, it was a place that I was really glad to be a part of and a place I was glad to to move on from. But yeah, I mean, to be honest, I never owned a single piece of new college uh, swag until this takeover um, happened. I, the first thing I did was I went online and I bought a new college um, sweater because I'm like, these are going to become collector's items soon. <laughs> hmm. Do you picture yourself going to like a reunion at some point? Maybe, maybe. I'm not sure. I kind of have to see how this shakes out. But um, I live pretty far from Florida now. But um, but, you know, through this process of reporting, I've reconnected with a bunch of people who are still there. And um, it made me realize how much I do care about this special, weird little nook, you know, on a former circus magnate's backyard. Sam, I'm so grateful for your time and your reporting. Thank you for, for taking this time with me. Thank you so much. Sam Greenspan is a freelance journalist and an alum of New College. And that's our show. What Next is produced by Paige Osborne, Elena Schwartz, Rob Gunther, Madeline Ducharme, and Anna Phillips. We're led by Alicia Montgomery with a little help from Susan Matthews. Ben Richmond is the Senior Director of Podcast Operations here at Slate. And I'm Mary Harris. Go track me down on Twitter, X, whatever you're using. I'm at Mary's desk. Thanks for listening. Catch you tomorrow. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.